today's sermon, we're going to put the PowerPoints up here. Of course, uh, we have to be in context with what's going on in our world, right? So today's topic is God's Olympics. God's Olympics. <laughs> so this is the last weekend of the Tokyo 2020, 2020 Olympics. <laughs> no, it's 2020. Even the medals say 2020 because it was supposed to be last year. So this is the 2020, in parentheses, 2021 Pandemic Olympics. <laughs> and well, like always, the Olympics are fascinating. Fascinating. And one of the things I love most of the Olympics is watching the face, the expressions of those that win a gold medal. Even if it's silver or bronze, you know, they're still happy. But when they win a gold medal, when they win a gold medal, the expressions on their face, their eyes, their, their, the, the, the expressions in their body, sometimes they just throw themselves on the ground. They can't believe they won the gold. Or they run towards, you know, maybe where the flag is and put the flag and wrap the flag around them. And they're just so happy to represent their country. And you can see all the, the happiness that, that, that surrounds them. And, and you know, their coaches, uh, their other teammates, you know, just everyone is so happy. So let me share a few slides with you. So... Um, this next slide here, gold medal winners, okay, so, so this is just this morning at 6 o'clock, okay, so 6 o'clock this morning, China, 38 medals in gold, just gold, total of 84 medals, United States is second place with 34 gold medals, but a total of 102 medals. So you can see which countries are the most powerful in sports today, right? Japan, Great Britain, uh, Russia, Australia, Germany, Italy, Netherlands, France. And then the list goes on and on. You know, some folks just got one medal, some none, okay? But here are the power, you know, the, 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 the countries with all the, the, the power. But let me just uh, share a few things with you. So, so, so Gonzalo, Gonzalo, I can't hear you clapping, <laughs> okay? So this is, this is uh, one of the most beautiful pictures that I'm going to show you guys. So let me just go back here. Okay, here it is. Wow. Some, some reporters say Diaz, some say Diaz. <laughs> okay, so I don't know how you pronounce it. Diaz, okay, so this is Diaz. She's the one that won the first gold medal for the Philippines in history. In history. They've been participating in the Olympics for 97 years with no gold. They finally got their gold. Weightlifting. So I want you to lift 224 kilos. <laughs> All right. So here we go. You know, this is a beautiful story. You should have seen when she arrived back in, the, in her homeland, the way they reserved, received her, man. That was just amazing. So look at that face. You know, just so happy. To win the gold medal. So here we have one of the youngest gold medalists, Japan, took home the gold in skateboarding, making her one of the youngest gold medal winners ever in the Olympics. Then we have Team USA, of course. And you know all the drama that went in there, so I'm not going to go there. But here we have Sunisa Lee, the individual all-around final gold medal. Imagine that. So she competed in every single competition in gymnastics, and she got 
the gold, man. That's amazing. So we can't see her face there because she has the mask, but look at those eyes. What are those eyes telling you? <laughs> okay? And this was one of the most remarkable stories of the Olympics. So here we have Mutas Esa. He's from Qatar. And then we have Italy's Ginmarco Tamberi. They're on the high jump, right? So once they raised that bar too high for them, and both of them couldn't jump any higher, they both had jumped the same height before, that means they have a problem. Gold medal to who? If they're... So, so what do you think happened? No, you can't, you can't give a gold medal to both. They're sharing the gold medal. That's how much they appreciate each other. They're friends. So a few years ago, the Olympic Committee, the International Olympic Committee allows if someone is equal in a competition, they can share the medal if they want. Or they can keep jumping until you get a gold and a silver. Well, they didn't want to do that. So here we have this amazing picture of these two gentlemen that appreciate each other. They're fantastic friends. They're competitors, but friends. They said, we're going to share the gold medal. <laughs> okay. So today we're going to talk about God's Olympics. God's Olympics. So, you know, I was going through the writings of Paul, and I don't know if you guys have, have, have researched this, but he was really related to the Olympic Games and, and other competitions. So, you know, many times in his epistles, he makes reference to the Olympic Games and uses a lot of sporting metaphors. Paul would have known the Olympic Games, you know, that took place every four years, right there in the century of Greece. And he would have been even more closely related to the Isthmian Games, which took place every other year, and were almost as important. They were the second most important sporting events right after the Olympics. So, uh, of course, a lot of these things happened really close to Corinth, where Paul had a lot of his heart there, right? He, he, he planted the church there. So Paul would have recognized much of the feverish atmosphere that surrounds the Olympics. Like right now, you know, if, if someone went to Japan to the Olympic Games, there's no other thing that they talk about. And there's no other thing you can see in the, in the streets, the lights, the billboards, everything is Olympics, Olympics, Olympics. So, you know, the preparations of the capital city, the training of the athletes, the political and economic implications for the city hosting this money spinner. The fact that there was a truce during the period of the games. Paul would have even recognized the clogged city streets, just like Japan. Well, right now it's not too clogged <laughs> because of the pandemic. But then the bragging rights. The bragging rights, like, my country is going to get more medals than your country. <laughs> okay. The scandal surrounding cheating and the bribing of officials, that was very common in Paul's time. It was part of the world in which he grew and part of the world which he ministered to. So a big city like Corinth is an obvious place in which to use sporting metaphors. So as he was writing to the church later on, and actually if Luke is correct when he classifies Paul's trade, remember what Paul did? He was a tent what? A tent maker together with Priscilla and Aquila. So, so Paul, maybe a lot of the Bible scholars believe that he constructed tents for the athlete's village for the games. 
So, you know, of course, they didn't have all the commodities that, that, that people have today. So they stayed in these tents. Uh, of course, it was a very secular city. So sporting discourse would have found easy echoes. And of course, in this awkward group of Christians, Paul develops one of the largest or longest sporting metaphors. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. It says, do you not know that those who run in the race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself shall become disqualified. <laughs> so here we have Paul in a very extensive passage talking about this sport language. You know, there's this, 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 this way of presenting the Christian, the Christian fight. And, and so I was reading actually a, a transcript of what the Greek would have sounded like. So it would have sounded more like this. Don't you realize that the runners in the stadium, all of them run, but only one gets the medal? You are to run in such a way as to win. Everyone who is an athlete training, everyone who is in athlete training exercises self-control. But they do it to win a medal that will fade away. So I am running in such a way as not to be without purpose. When I box, so he's thinking about boxing. When I box, I do it in such a way as not to land my blows on empty air. Instead, I let my body know who is the boss, and I make it my slave. So the point here to the Corinthian church is, you must take mission seriously. So if we study the book of 1 Corinthians, we see that what he's saying is, please take the mission seriously. Just like athletes take serious what they're out there to do in the field. You must take the mission seriously, just like I, Paul, take my preaching Seriously. So this is not a commercial, okay? So don't think this is a commercial because it's not. This is a life and death thing. So in the month of September, 11th to the 25th, I repeat myself, this is not a commercial. We're in a fight for souls. We want them to gain heaven. We want them to be winners with us. So please remember, from now till September the 11th, we have to be praying for those folks that we want to bring to, the, to those meetings. We need to pray for those that we want to reach out to and say, hey, God has a plan for you. And through this seminar, Amazing Prophecies, they're going to be able to discover that plan, helping you prepare for Earth's final conflict. So this is very important. Let's take missions seriously. Think about five people that you want to invite to these meetings. Pray for them daily. And ask God to give you wisdom to know exactly how to invite them, when to invite them. How to get them engaged. So this is very, very important. So the church of Corinth had to understand that mission is serious. The preaching of the gospel is serious. Now, this morning I'm only going to concentrate on the letter to the Philippians. Because, I mean, Paul uses this, this uh, 
the sport metaphors in a lot of his writings, but we're going to concentrate only in the letter to the Philippians, which was written, interestingly, from a prison in Rome. And it's even more interesting when you find that this is the book that talks about joy more than any other epistle that he wrote. So he's writing from prison. Is there a lesson there for us? <laughs> so he's writing from prison, and he's writing the most joyful letter that he wrote. So let's look at the sporting imagery in chapter 1, verses 27 to 30. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs. Now listen to this. That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. So, so Paul wants them to work together. I, I, I didn't want to say this, but I'm going to say it. There was conflicts going on in that church. There were some church members that were difficult. And there was conflicts among some of the members. So he is saying here, don't be divided. So obviously there was, there was some fighting going on. He says, I want you to work together. The Greek word for striving or working together is very difficult to translate. So let me see if I can, if I can help here. It means something like this. Okay, so try to, try, to, try to follow me. So in Greek, it would say something like playing on the same side together as an athletics contest. That, that's what it would say in Greek. And so it's very difficult to translate into English. But he's saying, please play on the same side. Be together on this. Don't be divided. Then he uses the metaphor again in chapter 4, verse 3, where he is trying to persuade two redoubtable ladies, Evodia and, and, and Sintrek, to stop scratching either, each other's eyes out, right? And, and so he, he says to them, they played on the same team as me and Clement and the rest of our team. So he's reminding these two ladies that are getting at each other, remember we're on the same team. You can't be fighting like that. Imagine, you know, if, if, if some of these, you know, like, like track and field. I mean, the United States had a lot of competitors. They had a lot of people on their team. But imagine if on, on, on the same team, they're fighting against each other. And they're putting each other down. And they're criticizing each other. That's not going to work. So Paul is saying here, you know what? We have to be reminded that we play on the same team. The point is that we must work as a team for the Lord. Unity is important, brothers and sisters, to advance the kingdom of God. A divided church cannot preach the gospel successfully. It has to be a united church, a loving church. No fighting among us. In chapter 1, however, the message is addressed to the whole group of Christians in Philippi. Verse 28. Don't be intimidated by your opponents. <laughs> and then in verse 30, Paul says, 
we are engaged on the same agon, the Greek word, agon. We're engaged in the same fight. Some of your, the verses say conflict, right? Some of your Bibles say conflict, okay? But the word is agon, which means any kind of athletics contest. So if we talk about agony, well, that is what you go through when you go through those deep training to participate in the Olympics, okay? That's the agony, okay? So we may imagine how the Philippians responded intelligently to this cricketing illusion. So here we have another phrase taken from the, from the sports. Aegon, any athletic contest. And then in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 16 to 18, chapter 2, verse 16 to 18, Paul's talking again about athletic terms. He says, holding fast to the word of life. So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes. And if I am being poured out as a drinking offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Verse 18, for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. So let me rephrase this. Let, let me try to put some easier words into this passage. My boast is... Paul is saying, my boast is that I did not run a pointless race, nor was all my hard training pointless. He is happy to have been through all that he's been through for the sake of the Philippians, and that has brought him joy. So, so I want to underline the following. As pastor and my dear elders and other church leaders here at Garden Faith, for us to know that we have not run in vain, that it has not been a pointless race, we want to see faithful church members. We want to see disciples constantly growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to see you victorious over sin. We want to see you spreading the gospel to your friends and neighbors and co-workers. Our biggest satisfaction as pastor and church leaders is to see you faithful to Jesus. Then our hard training has not been pointless. Our race has been run with a purpose. So don't forget that. And of course, another thing that Paul teaches us in these uh, sport terms, athletic terms, is to never give up. Never give up. So let's go to chapter 3, chapter 3 of Philippians, a verse really well known for you guys. Chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. So he tries another sporting metaphor here, encouraging them to keep going on in the race towards Christ that Paul himself is running, okay, because he's not like independent. He, he, he's part of the, of the team. And he says there, not that I have already attained or am already perfect or perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So what is Paul saying here? He's basically saying, I haven't yet got it, nor have I already peaked in my training. But I am stretching out for what is ahead. Rushing towards the finish line. Rushing 
towards the finish line. So don't lose sight of the goal. Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, don't give up. One of the saddest things that can happen to us as leaders is to see a church member backslide. To see a church member get so discouraged that they think the world offers something better. To see someone leave the faith. Oh. And sometimes it's been a leader. Sometimes it's been a colleague. Oh, that hurts. So Paul says, no, no, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. You got to rush towards the finish line. Pandemic or no pandemic. Through trials, tribulations. Keep pressing to the finish line. Yes. Got to keep going. My dear sisters. Got to keep going. Don't lose sight of the goal. Don't give up. And I want to finish with 2 Timothy 4.7. This reminds us of uh, this well-known metaphor, going back to those Olympics and those ideas. So we have another metaphor here. Paul writes, I have fought the good fight, which can reasonably be translated, I have competed in the best games. That's how we would understand it in Greek. So, I have, I have competed in the best games. And notice that the word games, again, is the word agon. Conflict. Battle. Fight. Allusion to the, to, to the Olympics. And then it says here, I have finished the race. In other words, I have finished the marathon. No, it's not a sprint. It's not the 100 dash. No. This is a 10K. Yeah, being a Christian is not just running 100 meters. Got to keep going. I have finished the marathon. And then comes a phrase. I have kept the faith. And notice how interesting it is when you go to the Greek. It says, I have kept the pledge. So that, that reminds us more of like the, the numbers that the athletes carry or, 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 or now, you know, the electronic chips that they carry on their tennis shoes that so no other person can take their place and cheat. <laughs> okay, so, all right. Or, or they can't take a shortcut, right? They can't take a shortcut. So I have kept the pledge. I have kept the faith. I've kept my number where it's supposed to be, my identity. Yes, we can all be winners in God's Olympics. We can all win the gold. But for that, we must remember to take our, our mission what? Seriously. Seriously. Number two, we must be united. And we must work as a team here at church. We must be a team. And number three, perseverance. Yes, that's what we need to get a gold. That's what we need to get our medal. We can all be a winner in God's Olympics. We can all get the gold. So what are we going to do? Let's repeat it together. We're going to take our mission what? Seriously. Seriously. Let us work as a team. Support each other. No divisions. Let us fight the good fight. Let us persevere in the race and finish it. Let us keep the faith. One day 
And very soon, huh, oh, I, I, I love the Olympics because of this, because God has his podium, right? <laughs> so one day we're going to stand on God's podium. And it's not going to be a medal. It's going to be a crown. And he's going to put that crown on each one of our heads. And he's going to welcome us into the kingdom. Yes, one day we'll be on God's Olympic podium to receive our crown. The question is, you want to be there? Yeah? What are you going to do to be there? Take our mission seriously. Be united. Be a team. And persevere. Never, never, never give up. Let's pray. Dear God, today the Apostle Paul has helped us to understand what Christianity looks like. It's, it's competing in your Olympics. God, we all want the gold medal. And you have helped us to understand how we can do that. So today, Lord, we consecrate our lives to you. We reach out to you with all of our heart to ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. That we can take our, our mission serious as a church. That we can work united. No fights, no divisions. And that we can persevere, Lord, because if we give up, everything is lost. Bless our church. In Jesus' name, amen.